John. We've been walking through First John. Uh, we're going to be in chapter 2. And uh, this section that we're looking at today, as we walk through this, last time we were here, we talked about, uh, we talked about a, a lot of different things. We talked about the test of love. We talked about the love that God hates, loving the world. Uh, you know, don't love the world or things in the world. Any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And uh, in this next section, it's, it's going to be verses 18 through 29. So it's a lot of verses. I may not be able to get it all in today, so I may just have to do part of it today and uh, a part of it next week. But um, it's really important, and it's the, the structure that John does, that John uh, writes these, uh, these verses. is It's kind of difficult. He goes kind of back and forth, so I'm just going to read the whole section. But before I read it, let me just give you the points as to what he's going to say. Uh, and so that way you'll kind of know where we're coming from. Uh, he's going to tell us three things today. He's going he's gonna to tell us, I may just get to the first one today because there's a lot in it, but um, over the next two Sundays, I hope, unless the Lord impresses on me to preach something else, I'm hoping we're going to get to look at this, this text from 18 to 29. He's going to tell us three things. He's going to identify for us these people he calls the Antichrists. He's going to identify who they are, and he's going to let us know some characteristics of them that we could be able to spot them when we see them. He is going to uh, also make sure that you as a believer know that you have everything that you need in Christ. There's, going to be, there's not any go- going to be anything higher, anything greater, anything more wonderful, any kind of knowledge or any kind of uh, spirituality that you need that's any higher than the gospel itself. You've been given all things in Christ and everything that you have uh, in Christ is everything that you need to grow in Christ, everything that you need to stand before God. And the third thing, he's going to give us a command, and that command is one word. And that one word is simply abide. And so I may not get to it all today, so I want to make sure that uh, I tell you where we're going. That way when we read this text, you kind of know, uh, know what the flow is, what he's trying to tell us. He's going to identify these antichrists to us. And I, I did use the plural, antichrists, plural. Uh, he's going to tell us that we have everything that we need in Christ, in the gospel. And then he's going to give us a command. That command is to abide in what we have, abide in who we are in Christ Jesus. And so uh, when you heard me say the word Antichrist, I know everybody gets excited. We're going to talk about the Antichrist today, and probably mine went to uh, it's an end time scenario or, or, or whatever, but uh, don't get too excited because that's not the way John uses, uses the word here. He's talking, about, he's talking about people that are anti-Christ. The anti means against. He's talking about people that are, are anti, if you say I'm anti-church or I'm anti Uh, I'm anti, I don't know anything, parades, I'm anti-guns, I'm anti-whatever. That means you're against that. And so when he talks about being anti-Christ, he's talking about being against, against Christ. And so what we're going to do is, um, we probably need to remember who we're talking about here. Um, There were men that had come into the church uh, that, that that John is writing to in these letters, and they were teaching things. They were saying, you know, we're the true Christians. All you guys, you got a good start on the thing. You guys are going, you know, Jesus and the gospel, they're the baby steps. And so you guys got a good start at this thing. But really, we're the higher teacher. We have the better knowledge. We have the higher spirituality. You, come, you need to follow us if you want to get to that deeper.
deeper level with God. You want to get that deeper knowledge of God, that deeper walk with, uh, with God. If you want to reach the higher level of spirituality, you, you need to come follow us. And the whole purpose uh, of the book of 1 John is John is saying, no, that's not true. You have everything that you need in the gospel, and he's going to give us tests that assure us that we are right with God. And so these believers in these churches were thinking like, well, uh, that's not what we receive, these, these new teachers that are coming in, these new believers. And so wh- who do we listen to? Are we, are we the true Christians because we follow Christ and we have the gospel? Or do we go off with these other guys who, who've left and, and made their own thing and have their own spirituality and have this higher teaching that they, uh, that they call the true uh, teaching of God? John is giving them the assurance that you are the children of God if you, and he gives tests, tests of doctrine, tests of obedience, if you obey his commands, if you follow his commands, and the tests of loving the brethren. And so that's the whole, that's the whole precept behind the book of 1 John. He is going to, he's going to continue that as we read. So I'm going to read this whole section. It's verses 18 through 29. And I want you to keep those three points in mind. He's going to tell us who the Antichrists are. He's going to tell us that we have everything that we need in the gospel. And he's going to give us a command that's to abide in what we have. So let me just read this whole thing and then I'm going to take it apart and go one point at a time. It says, verse 18, Little children, it is the last time. And as you have heard, the Antichrist shall come. Even now, even as John was writing, there are... Are there many antichrists whereby we know that it's the last time? He says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be manifest that they were not all of us. But you, you have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth. But because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is the Antichrist that denies the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledged the Son hath the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you, which you have heard from the beginning. If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you also shall continue in the Son and the Father. And this is the promise. He's promised us even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you, and you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, you shall abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before his coming. If you know that he's righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. Now, just reading through that section, it's kind of easy to get lost because uh, John bounces kind of back and forth between those points that I told you. He bounces back and forth between identifying who these people he are call, he's calling the Antichrists are. He bounces back and forth between telling you you have everything that you need in the gospel and there's nothing more that you have to go and seek after. And then he bounces back and forth two or three times in that section. He tells us to abide. Abide in the gospel. Abide in what you have from the beginning. Abide in in Christ. Abide in him and abide in the Father and the Son. And so those are the three things that he's going to talk to us about. I'm going to pull my phone out just so I know what time it is. I don't make sure I don't go over. 
So these things, let, let, me, let me just start with the first one. He's going to identify who these antichrists are. They're people that are against Christ. He says in verse 18, he says, little children, it's the last time. Now, don't get all, all bent out of shape. There's a lot of people that think about this the wrong way. Uh, John wrote this 2,000 years ago, and he said it was the last time. It, it doesn't mean that John was expecting the world to end in the next few days as he was writing. The New Testament writers often use the words the last days, the last times, uh, as the time between the resurrection and the second coming of Christ. And what that means is he's saying this is the last, this is the last uh, uh, era of God's uh, revelation to you. He's revealed himself in Christ, and that's all he's got to say. That doesn't mean God's not going to speak to you or anything like that. What I'm saying is there's never going to be another prophet to bring something new to you. There's never going to be another person who says, you know what, I got a new word. I'm going to add a, a book. I'm going to add it to, I'm gonna, it's going to be Revelation 23, and I'm going to write it out because God told me there's never going to be anything new. It's all said and done. Jesus said it's finished when he died on the cross. And so when John says it's the last time, it's the last hour, what he means is that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all the revelation. The only thing we're waiting on now is the return of Christ and the consummation of all things. There's never going to be another prophet in the sense that there were in the Old Testament where uh, there's something new that's not in the Bible that we need to hear as a church, as the church all over the world needs to hear, that we need to write down and add to what Scripture says. It's never going to be anything like that because God has fulfilled His Word. And so uh, the other New, <clears throat> other New Testament writers use it the same way. Um, I think uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I, I wrote them down, but I don't have them with me. Let me flip over. You just stay right there. Don't go nowhere. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. No, that's not it. Anyway. I, oh, here they are. Duh. In first, I did write them down. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 20. It says this. Jesus foreordained before the foundation of the world but was manifest in these last times for you. That's 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it's not chapter 1, chapter 10, verse 11, said, Now all these things happen unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world have come. So the New Testament authors use this the last times uh, as the, the whole section between the resurrection of Christ and the second coming. So John's not saying, a lot of people would say that John's mistaken here, and he's thinking, well, the world's going to end, Jesus is going to come back in the next few days, y'all uh, be ready. Well, we should be ready because he could come back at any moment, and his coming back is imminent, and it was imminent in John's day, and it's imminent in our day, but the reality of what he's saying right here is, look, we know that this is the last time because, look, I, you've heard the Antichrist is coming, but I'm telling you, look, there's a bunch of them. There's a bunch of them. They right here in John's day. He said, little children, it is the last time as you have heard that Antichrist shall come even now. Even as John's writing 2,000 years ago, he says, there are there many, many Antichrists. And he said, this is how we know that it's the last time. And so he's going to identify them. He's going to identify them for us. 
the word Antichrist, when you hear the word Antichrist, you're, you're thinking about all the books and the movies that you've done seen about the end of the world and all that kind of stuff. But the reality is that the word Antichrist only appears here in 1 John and in 2 John. That's the only place in the Bible that the word it doesn't appear in Revelation, doesn't appear in none of the prophets. It, this is the only place that it appears. And so he says, he says, you need to know that right now there are many. And he's going to identify them for us. Now, if there were many in John's day, I can assure you there are many today as well. There are many, and they, they are anti-Christ. They are anti-church. Uh, they are anti-gospel. They are anti-God's people. They're anti. So we need to know who they are. Now, remember this. <coughs> he's not talking about some pagans out there, some atheists out there, who are railing against the church. That's always going to happen. It's always going to be. It's never going to end until uh, Christ returns and his kingdom is consummated. It's going to be that way forever. He's not talking about them. He's talking about people from within the body. He's talking about people that are inside the, the, the visible church. They're not part of the church in that they're not saved. They're not born again. They're not part of Christ, but they're attending the meetings. He says in verse 19, he said, these, these quote-unquote antichrists, he says, they went out from us. They were once part of us. And when he's saying that, they were here. They were right here with us. They were sitting right here. They were raising their hands when we, when we sang the worship songs. They were listening when we were preaching. They were maybe trying to influence people. They were maybe teaching themselves. He said, they went out from us. And he says, but they were not of us. They may have been here in the building. They may have been here with us. They may have been uh, part of our fellowship meals, part of our feasts, part of our celebration, part of our worship service, but they were not of us. He says, this is how I know that they were not of us. This is the proof. He says, if they had been of us, if they were of us, what would they have done? They would have remained. They would have continued with us. Now, that's not talking about they left this church, went to that church. They left this church and went over there to that church. What he's talking about is they left the fellowship of believers altogether. They left the fellowship of the saints. They left the fellowship, the body of Christ, fellowship with the local body of Christ. Now, more than likely, these people went off to do their own thing. They went off to do their own thing, teach their own stuff, have a higher spirituality, a higher level of whatever. And they were calling the believers saying, look, you need to come with us because we're the ones that have the real deep stuff. You guys are down there playing in the kiddie pool. This is what they would say. You're playing in the kiddie pool and splashing around in the shallow end. And you got Jesus and you got the gospel. And that's sweet. And that's a good place to start. But we got the deep stuff. We got the deep teaching of God. We got the higher level, the higher walk with God. And John is saying, no, they don't have anything. He's saying they went out from among us because they were not of us. He said, if they were of us, if they were of us, they would have continued. They would have remained, he says, but they went out, and this is the proof that they're not of us. They went out so that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. He says, the, the, the way that I can tell you for absolute sure that they are not of us, that they are anti-Christ, that they are against God, against the gospel, is that they went out from among us. The us there is John, it's the church, it's the, the church invisible, the worldwide body of Christ. Everyone who's believed, all the, all the people who've been born again by the Spirit of God, they went out from them. They went out from among us. You know, there's so many times we can look around, and it doesn't take much brain power, 
to look around and think about people who've been here, who have been here, who have been faithful for a time, who have been steadfast for a time, who have raised their hands during worship, who has set up tables, who have done all the things that look like they had it going on, that looked like they had the gospel, but over a period of time, after a little while, the zeal goes away, and then they go away. Listen, the truth of a new heart, the truth of the new heart, the gospel-infused heart, the the born-again believer, is that the evidence that you've been born again is that you will persevere. Is it going to be hard? Are there going to be times where it's tough? Are there going to be times where you say, you know what? I'm going to take my ball and go home and throw a fit, of course. But you're going to say like Peter said to Jesus. Jesus said to Peter, he said, do you guys want to leave also? And Peter said, where am I going to go? There ain't nowhere I can go. You got the words of eternal life. The evidence that you are in Christ is that you remain. That you remain, that you, that you continue with the body of believers. Now, I, there was one time I got in trouble. I didn't get in trouble, but I got, a person told me, well, I just don't agree. I was at, I was at another church. This has been a while. <clears throat> I, was, I was preaching at this church. They were having, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever. And it was on a Wednesday night, and I was preaching there. And there was a young man, <clears throat> maybe 16, 15, whatever. He had... He, I was told he got saved the night before. So, I, of course, I'm rejoicing with him. You know, that's a wonderful thing. It's all good. And so he got saved the night before. <clears throat> and I was preaching about, uh, about being steadfast. I was preaching about what the gospel does to your heart, about changing your heart, about the evidence that you've been born again. <clears throat> I don't know why I can't clear my throat today. And I told him from the, from the deal, I was, up, I was up in front of the congregation, and he, he and his father were sitting over on this left side, and I told him, and I said, I said, you understand, son, you, you, I called his name, but you have been born again by the Spirit of God. That means God lives inside of you. That means you are a new creature. You have, you know, all the, all the riches of what God has to offer. There's no greater level. There's no higher spirituality. You have perfection with God, all that. I said, but 15 years from now, if you walk away from the faith, if you walk away from this, uh, this walking with Christ, if you say, you know what, I did that for a while, forget that, I ain't worried about that anymore, that's not the way I tried that, it didn't work, I did that when I was a kid. If, if you get 35, 40 years old and you say, you know what, I, I'm just not a part of that anymore, you need to understand that you didn't get saved last night. <clears throat> It's not the fact that you got saved and you just kind of, you know, fell away, walked away, whatever. If you repudiate the, the gospel 20 years from now, 30 years from now, if you walk away and say, I'm not part of that anymore, you need to understand you didn't get saved tonight. Because those who come to Christ, they endure to the end. It's the ones who endure. Christ does not leave his sheep. He's a good shepherd. He's a good father. If you say... If you are a true believer and you say, you know what, I'm thinking about quitting this thing. The good shepherd's going to come, going to come find his sheep. The good father's going to come, he's going to discipline his children. And so one of the evidences that these people are anti is that they have gone out from among us. They've gone out, and in fact, it says, the evidence that shows that what's manifest in them that they're not of us is the fact that they have gone out. It says they were not, they went out, that they might be manifest, that they were not all of us. And so the first thing that you can identify, the, belief, the, the anti 
Christ's who are in the world is that they refuse the fellowship of the believers. They refuse to invest themselves. They refuse. They go out from among us. Now, it could be a lot of reasons why they do. You know, more than likely, these folks were thinking, well, we've grown beyond that. Well, I don't need church to be a Christian. Well, I don't need, I don't need believers. I don't need to be in fellowship with them. I don't need all that stuff. Me and Jesus got our own thing going. We got a higher thing. We got a, we got a real thing. You ever heard somebody say, well, I'm not religious, but I am spiritual. <laughs> That's so stupid. (laughs) Understand, the New Testament tells us specifically, there's no misinterpretation, there's no way to take it any other way. He says, they went out from us because they were not of us. If they had been of us, what would they have done? They would have continued with us because that's what people who are of us, who are of the gospel do. They continue with us. He says, but they're going out made manifest that they're not of us. That's the proof. That's the evidence. They repudiate the fellowship of the saints. They repudiate the fellowship of believers. There's people here uh, in this town that have forsaken the fellowship of the believers. It's not that they left this church to go to another church and serve over there. They left and they're not going anywhere. They're not fellowshipping with anybody. They're not doing anything. Thank you, Chelsea. Y'all give Chelsea a hand. They're not going anywhere. Understand that if you don't have a desire, as hurtful as it is sometimes to be in fellowship with other believers, then you need to ask your question whether I am of Christ or whether I am anti-Christ. Lots of people would say you can have Christ, but you don't really have to have Christ's people. You don't really have to mess around with Christ's bride. You don't have to mess around with the preaching of God's word. You don't have to come together as a body and worship God corporately. Understand, the New Testament doesn't know anything about that. That's a new deal. John would have said, what in the world are you talking about? I have no idea what that is. And so the first thing you see is that these these anti-Christs, they don't have fellowship with the body. They don't have fellowship with the believers. They went out. They moved on. They left. They had left left the assembly and they said, you know what? They were calling the other Christians, you need to come be like me because misery loves company, really. But they were saying, we have the true. We have the real spiritual life. We've got, you know, you guys are doing good. You'll get there one of these days. You'll get there one of these days. We got the higher thing. And so he says, they went out from among us because they were not, they were not of us. The second thing that he identifies to identify people who are anti-Christ, even though they would probably say, no, 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 no. I'm, I, I love Jesus. I love Christ. The Bible calls them anti-Christ. They don't fellowship. They're not part of the assembly. The second thing is that They deny the truth about Jesus that the Bible presents. They deny the truth. They deny what Jesus says about himself. I'm going to skip over to verse 22. I told you I'm going to bounce around to follow John's points. He says they deny what Jesus says about himself. They deny that he's a Christ. Verse 22 says, Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He's the Antichrist that denieth the Father 
and the Son. There's two things that he says. He denies that Jesus is the Christ. Now, unless you understand where uh, John is coming from, talking about uh, talk, re, uh, writing First John, you might think that these are the Jewish guys that just you know deny that Jesus is the Messiah and all that. But these were people that were part of the assembly. You remember what we just read? They were once of us, but they went out now. They're gone now. And so these were people that would claim to be Christians. They would claim to have the faith. They would claim to know the gospel. They would claim to have a walk with God. They would say that Jesus is all good and the Christ is all good, but it's just the baby steps. And what, what's going on here, <clears throat> I'll give you the big word if you want it. They were called docetists. In the, at the end of the first century, <clears throat> there was a man named Serentheus, and what he, what he taught was, and this is kind of important because you still see it everywhere today, what he taught was that Jesus was just a man and that the Christ spirit came upon him and allowed him to teach and minister and do miracles, and then right before he was crucified, the Christ spirit left him. Now, that's kind of weird. You probably never heard anybody on the street say anything like that, but you still see it all over the place. Uh, people like Oprah, people like New Age philosophy, that's what they believe. You all, all of us have a spark of the divine in us. We just need to tap into it. We need to tap in and follow our heart. We need to, uh, we, we, have, uh, we have, everything we need is inside of us, and we have a, they probably wouldn't put it this way, but we have a Christ spirit in all of us, and Jesus really wasn't the way. He was showing us the way. He was a good example of the way that we should live and how we should uh, model our lives. And of course, he was a good example of how we should live, but that's not why he came. That was not the main reason. He came to die for our sins. He, they were saying that, you know what, Jesus <clears throat> was just a man. But this Christ, the Messiah, was the Spirit of God that kind of just fell on Jesus. And John's saying, no, 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 no. no." He says, God himself became a man. And Jesus was both God and he was both man. He was 100% God. He was 100% man. And if he had not been fully man, he could not have died for our sins. He could not have represented us on the cross. If he had not been fully God, then he could not die for our sins because he wouldn't have been worthy. He had to be divine. He had to be God. He had to be perfect in order to die for our sins, to be worthy sacrifice. But he also had to be man in order to represent us on the cross and die for our sins. He didn't come as man and angel in order to die for the sins of the angels that fell. He came as God and man. They deny that Jesus is the Christ. They deny that he's the Lord. They deny that he is God in human flesh. They deny the incarnation. They deny that he came and took on flesh, lived as a real man. He suffered as a real man. He he was hungry as a real man. He experienced pain as a real man. And when he was beaten and when he was crucified, he felt everything that you would feel if the same happened to you. He was a real man and he was God in human flesh. The, the Jews that, that uh, uh, were in the Gospels, they understood full well what Jesus meant. When Jesus said, you know, uh, Caiaphas said, are you him? Are you the Messiah? Are you the Christ? Christ and Messiah are the same word. He said, are you the Messiah? Jesus said, I am. 
and you're going to see the Son of Man seated on the, on, the, on the clouds of heaven, coming on the clouds of heaven, seated by the throne of power. And what did the Jews do? They tore their clothes and said, this guy's blaspheming. He's making himself equal to God. And that's when at his trial they decided, okay, it's time. We don't need no more testimony. We've done heard it for our own self. We're going to send him to Pilate. So they understood exactly what he meant when he said, I am the Messiah. I am the Christ. He was saying, I'm God. I'm man. I'm all, I'm all together one, and I am here to die for your sins as God, as man. These folks were teaching that, you know, it wasn't necessarily so. Do you know there's still a lot of people today that call themselves Christian, that have a big cross on the outside of their building, that would say that Jesus, the man Jesus, was just a man, and God indwelled him for a time and then left him, you know, at the, at the end of his life? Still lots of people. Come talk to me afterward. I'll tell you who they are. You, you ain't got to go far. You ain't got to go far. They're right around here. Amen. And then the second thing was that they denied the Father and the Son. Look, turn back to 2022 20, for me, Sarah Beth. It says, He is the Antichrist that denies the Father and the Son. Verse 23 then says, Whosoever denies the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledged the Son hath the Father also. You ever wondered why the doctrine of the Trinity is so important? Because that's who God is. He's telling them right here, he's telling them right here, look, if you don't recognize, if you don't believe, if you don't, if you don't understand that God is Father and Son, that God is Father, Son, and Spirit, then you don't know God. He's saying if you don't have the Son, you don't have the Father. That's not really a new teaching for you guys. I know we know that, that it says that in the Gospels as well. But it says, you can't say that I have a relationship with God and repudiate Jesus Christ. You cannot say that I have a relationship with God and deny that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that he is Lord of lords, King of kings, that you will bow down at his feet and his commands you will keep. You cannot have a relationship with God. You can't say, well, I believe in a God. I believe in God. And being God, you know, I pray every night and we got these things. But I don't, I don't follow Jesus Christ. I don't uh, follow Christ's bride. I don't fellowship with Christ's bride. I don't uh, obey Christ's word. That means you don't have the Father. You cannot have God the Father without the Son. It's as simple as that. And so this is what was going on. The Gnostics, the Docetists, they were saying... They were saying, you know what, we're, we've reached a higher level with God. You, you know, you got the whole Jesus thing going on, and that's a good start. You, you done did the baby steps of the gospel. You, you've got that going on, but really, you need to move on from that. You need to move past all that kind of stuff. Because the deep theology, the deep teaching, the, deep, the deeper spiritual life, the, the search for peace and happiness, that's going to come through the deeper teaching, the higher level of spirituality. It's not going to come from the simple old gospel. It's not going to come from the simple old, you know, Jesus died on the cross for your sins. I mean, that's cute and that's good, but that's not all there is. John is writing this to tell them, oh, no, no. That is most certainly all there is, and you have everything that you need, and what you need to do is abide in what you've heard from the beginning. He said that when we read those passages. And so he says, I'm definitely not going to get past this. <clears throat> he, says, um, he says, the one that doesn't have the son doesn't have the father. Now, let me just end right here because I'm running out of time anyway. 
The point that he's going to make, and I, I'll, have to, I'll have to show you in, in depth more of the rest of what he says. He says, you have the Spirit. You have an unction from the Holy One. You have anointing from the Holy One. You have everything that you need in those verses. He goes through and he makes those three points, and I'm going to hit the next two next time. But he says, he says the Antichrists are the ones who say, we don't need, we've gone out from the fellowship. We have... Uh, we, have, uh, we don't really recognize the fact that Jesus is the Christ, the one that we need, the one that we, in whom we live, move, and have our being. And we don't recognize that you have to have the Son in order to have the Father. He repudiates them. He says they are anti-Christ. He says, but you, three times in this passage, he says, but you, you have an unction from the Holy One. You have the anointing that teaches you all things, and you don't need, you don't need some guy to come and tell you, uh, you I, I got the higher stuff, I got the higher teaching. You don't need no man to teach you, the anointing will teach you. He's not saying you don't need to be taught, you don't need to learn anything, you don't have to have. What he's saying is to be deep, in a deeper relationship with God, to grow in God, you don't have to have some new thing from a guy. He says, you've got everything. You've got the spirit of the living God inside of you. And so you don't need that. You have God himself living inside of you. But today's point, what he's saying in identifying these antichrists, I need you to understand the point that he's making is that what you believe about Jesus is so important. It's the difference between heaven and hell. Do you see what he's talking? He's identifying these antichrists by what they believe about who Christ is. You know, it's easy for us today, especially in the days that we live in, to say, you know, you got your thing and I got my thing. And, you know, if you want to believe that, it's fine and we don't have to worry about it. When it comes to Jesus and the gospel, that's not true. Now, we can disagree about the end times and we can disagree about, you know, what color the church walls should be and all. That's fine. We'll do that in love. But when it comes to who Jesus is, when it comes to what it means to be saved, when it comes to what it means to have a relationship with God, there can be no disagreement. There's them and there's us. And that's all there is. There's no such thing as riding the fence. There's no such thing as teetering on who Jesus is and what he's done for us in our hearts and what he's done for us on the cross and what the effect of that is. The effect of what Jesus did for us on the cross is that he made us righteous with God. End of discussion. There's nothing higher to find. There's nothing deeper. You're going to grow in the gospel. You're going to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But you don't need anything new. You don't need anything deeper, anything higher. You don't need some teacher to come in and tell you a secret that nobody's ever heard of for 2,000 years in order for you to find fulfillment in your life in Christ. You have the gospel. You have the spirit of God. You have the unction from the Holy One. You have the anointing that teaches you all things. You have everything that you need in the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. You have it. It's your possession. You are seen as perfect in Christ. There's no higher level than perfect. And so what he's saying is, listen, the thing that we get from this, the thing that you should take away, since I wasn't able to get to the second two, I'll I'll do them next week for sure. What you believe about Christ is so important. You know, I could stand up here, being that I'm a man, I'm flesh, I'm a sinner just like you, I could stand up here and I could tell you a bunch of stuff that ain't true. And I could make it sound true. I could make it sound true, and I could probably deceive you. I mean, I could probably do that. But you have the Spirit of God inside of you, and you have the Word of God in your lap. 
And so it is your responsibility to make sure that you understand rightly about who Jesus is and about what the gospel is and about the effect of the gospel in your life. You understand? Because I, I guarantee you, when I get to talking fast and when I get to rattling stuff off, you heard me mispronounce some words today, I, I might say something stupid. Matter of fact, I'm known for saying some stupid things. What you believe, you, you have to believe the truth about Christ. That's what he's saying here. He says, the one who denies that Jesus is Christ, he's the anti, anti-Christ. The one who denies the Father and the Son, he's the anti, he's the anti-Christ. And so he, John is making a, a specific point here, and it's a point that we have seen in 1 John already. Remember, there's three tests throughout the book of 1 John. Do you believe the truth about Christ? That's number one. That's the test, whether you know that you are in the faith or not. Number two, do you follow after the commandments of Christ? He says the one who says that, that, uh, that, he, knows, that he loves Christ and doesn't keep his commands, he's a liar. Amen. And the third one is, do you love the brethren? Those are the three tests. So here you get another picture of that first test. The one, do you believe the truth about Christ? Now, if you're saying, well, I'm not sure. I mean, Jason's told me that this is what this means and this is... Jason's not going to be an authority when you stand before God. You better crack the binding of that word that God has given you. You better pray with the spirit that is inside of you and the anointing will teach you all things. You don't need anything else. Not saying you won't grow. Not saying you don't need to be taught, discipled, all those things. But what he's saying is there's nothing new that you need to find. If you're wandering around like one of these people and you're saying, well, I I know I've been saved, but I I just don't have no joy and I don't have no peace and I need to find the deeper teaching that's going, you're you're on a wild goose chase. Because the only thing that you have, the only thing that brings the fruit of the Spirit, that's love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, is the gospel of Christ, the Spirit of Jesus living inside of you. That's the only thing that there is. And so when you step away from that cross in order to find the deeper thing that's going to fulfill your life, you're stepping away from the fulfillment itself. You're stepping away from everything that God has given you. And that's what he's saying here. That's what he's saying. He's saying, look, these are anti. So understand, understand, today, it's just, a, just as big a problem today as it was way back when John wrote. There are people who are Christ's. And there are people who are anti-Christ. And there's nothing in between. Now, think about that for a minute. There are people that are Christ's and there are people that are anti. And there's absolutely nothing in between. You are either 100% perfect in Jesus or you are zero. There's absolutely nothing. There's no middle ground. There's no riding the fence. There's no, I'm better than I used to be. If you're growing in Christ, practically you are better than you used to be, but that really doesn't make any difference when you stand before God. You're either going to be absolutely righteous and one of Christ's people, or you're going to be absolutely wicked, and you're going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. And so you are either Christ's or you are anti-Christ, against Christ. And the thing that he says here is these people were trying to get the believers, the real believers, the people who were Christ, to come over to their side. And they were wooing them. He says it in verse, look, look, one more verse. Look at verse 26. The reason why he's saying this. He says, these things I have written to you concerning them that do what? 
seduce you. They're trying to get them to come on. Come on, you come on over with me. It's not going to be that bad. And you're taking all that stuff too serious. We've got, you know, the real, this is what I believe is the real meaning of life, the purpose of life, the reason why we're here. This is what it means to be happy. This is what it means to have purpose. Blah, 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 blah. I write these things to you concerning those that seduce you. It says, if you don't, if you don't, if a person doesn't have fellowship with a body of believers, mark them off. Antichrist. Red flag. You ain't got nothing to teach me. Sorry. I don't listen to your counsel. You may not. Look, I know people. I know people that know the Bible backwards and forwards. Jack, they could probably quote verses to you in reverse. They know it so well. You don't have fellowship with a local body. You ain't got nothing. You ain't got nothing to teach me. Anti. If you don't have no fellowship with no local body anywhere, mark them off. You ain't got nothing to teach me. Says the one who denies that Jesus is Lord and Christ, the one who denies that God came in flesh, mark them off. I don't care what you got. You ain't got nothing to teach me. Antichrist. The one who denies. Now, it's a big one. Father and the Son. I can also point you to many denominations all around this area that deny the Trinity, deny the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Mark them off. You ain't got nothing to teach me. Anti-Christ. You deny Father, Son, Holy Spirit, save it. I don't want to hear it. Mark them off. Understand today that you are either 100% Christ's and you have everything you need for life and godliness or you are anti-Christ. You are against him. You may say with your mouth, well, I love Jesus and I don't mind all that. But your heart, your life, your thinking, everything about you is anti-Christ. And when you stand before him, he's going to say, what in the world do you think? What do you think you're doing here? I don't know you. I've never known you. You don't follow after my commands. You didn't live after my ways. You didn't participate with my bride. You didn't do anything. What, what in the world makes you think that you should be here? Today, if that's you, you need to understand that he in his grace, in his mercy, it's still available. I don't know about this afternoon, but you can go from anti to being Christ in the blink of an eye by simply repenting of your sin and trusting in him completely, 100%. He says, all those that have come to me, I'll give them, I'll give them rest. He says, my, my yoke's easy. He said, but you're going to find rest for your soul. There ain't no higher rest than that. Let's pray. Father, we love you, God. We come before you today, and I thank you for your word. God, thank you for the, the teaching that you've given us in 1 John. Lord, uh, help us as we come back next time, Lord, to, uh, to, to understand more fully what you have given us, not just who these anti-Christs were, but what you've given us. That's the real meat of this passage, and I wasn't able to get to it, Father. So bring us back next week so we can, we can learn that, we can hear that from your scripture. God, I pray today that if there's anyone in here that has any doubt whatsoever, understanding that they can look at their life